This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And Footscray are back in front. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey folks, this is uh, not going to be fun. Welcome, welcome to, sorry, well, let's, what am I starting on such a downfall? Welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the greatest football club in the known universe. That is the Footscray Football Club, Petrarchy Limited, trading as Western Bulldogs. My name is Danny McGinley. With me is a man who, this is a fun stat, uh, he never lost a grand final. Tom Boyd. <laughs> They they do say we have a recency biased uh, Danny, but we are still the greatest football club on the known earth. It's just difficult to argue the point at the moment. You know, actually, yeah. To start off, I, I don't, I'm not convinced that these Melbourne supporters have taken it quite in the vein that they should. I um I'm down in Anglesey at the moment, so we're allowed out, and I made mm-hmm. a uh, a trip away with my fiance on the weekend down to Wye River, and a an elderly. Uh, Melbourne supporter wearing a jumper that may or may not have had I Primus on the back goes up to me who are, was wearing Bulldog shorts because they're the most comfortable shorts I've ever had and goes, they are, are, they're they great bull- are, are they Bulldog shorts, mate? Are they Bulldog shorts? As if to say, can you see my Melbourne jumper? And I very Oof. politely refrained from telling him that he must have bought his jumper back when on Melbourne won more than four games for the last time in 2001. <laughs> yeah. Snarky, very snarky. Did he, and and was he snob, snobby, you know, snarky after that? Was there a bit of, uh, <laughs> did you happen to catch the result there, champ? No, he just kept insinuating uh, that he goes, oh, the Bulldogs, yeah, Bulldogs. And I was like, we don't know each other, but we might be about to, you know. Um <laughs> That must hurt you like double the amount it would hurt anyone else because like it's, it's often a thing that non-football fans say to to people like me. You know, when I say, hey, we won, they go, oh, did you play, mate? Did you play? Did you win? You know, are you part of the team? Whereas, you know, you literally have won a grand final. I dare say more than that guy, unless you didn't recognise Ron Barassi. You know, you, you have won more grand finals than that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Ron Barassi. I think the thing for me, which is so strange, is that after 57 years, well, after 62 years from personal experience, it's five years or longer, just quietly, five years longer. <laughs> Damn right. We did it hard. 57 years. Man, I wasn't ready for a grand final in 2011. No. I, would have, I would have said, no, thank you. It's too soon. <laughs> I just thought, like, you direct your energies in a positive way to every Melbourne supporter that you possibly know. That's where yes. I would be pointing my energy. I wouldn't care about the Bulldogs. It's like it's not like you beat Hawthorne, who just come off yeah. the three P. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the when you win, you got to celebrate the win with your fans. That's kind of the whole point of footy. It's a tribal thing. And if you're spending your time ragging on the opposition, you're you're a, you're a shit person. I mean, 2009 prelim when we lost to St Kilda. Uh, I remember so many Saints fans being in my face screaming, "Go the Saints! Cop that!" And just being so disappointed, going, "Hey, you know what it's like to have never won anything. Why are you why are you putting it on us?" Yeah, strange for a prelim too. Like, given the, uh, <laughs> the result we ended up seeing, I don't know. Like, I just feel like obviously they missed the opportunity too, which is sad. But um, now, as a footy club, first and foremost, congratulations to Melbourne. They were the best team on the day by a street, country mile, and an airport. Um, particularly in that second half. so um, And it is great, honestly, when I separate the fact that the Bulldogs lost from Melbourne winning to see a club who's obviously had such a long and uh, distinctly disappointing history get up and, and win a flag. But, yeah, I do agree, mate. It's, um, it's a tough one to swallow. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I even I even texted a, a few friends who support like you know Collingwood and Sydney Swans and uh, teams that have lost a fair few grand finals. I get asking how often, how long does it normally take to get over a grand final loss? And uh, sadly, the best response I got was from a Swan supporting friend saying, "You never get over it, and what's worse is when you lose to a quote unquote fairy tale." <laughs> That's it. That's it. Look, I, I um. We kind of lost to a quote unquote fairy tale, obviously, given the uh, the run that Melbourne had and the fact that you know a couple of years ago they were on the bottom of the ladder or second bottom or whatever it was. Um, but then again, you know, this is footy, and uh, as I said, you know, the, we can't really argue that the best team didn't win, quite frankly. Yeah, it's well, okay. Let's let's go into the game, I guess. Um, do you know? I actually felt so confident. At the first bounce, because if I recall now, I've not rewatched it. I know if I was a good broadcaster, I would have rewatched it and taken notes, but I, I just can't do that. Uh, but I remember there was a, the first bounce happened. Max Gorn missed the ball or he got the ball, but he immediately looked at the umpire as if begging for a free kick already. And I remember the ball went to Clayton Oliver. Libba grabbed him. He tried to, he broke the tackle for a microsecond. Libba grabbed him again and brought him to ground. And I did yep. yell out, oh, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I I didn't feel good at all for that game. <laughs> I, I don't know why. We 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 for the for the listeners, Danny and I did a um a, a consultation where I debriefed him to make him feel a bit better about the devastating result because he was really struggling there for a while. He hadn't come up for air, he was angry. It was bitter. It was like the weight of the last two years had landed solely in his lap because we'd had 100 points kicked on us in 42 minutes. Yes, that is a thousand percent. When I, I put my uh, so my my we turned it off halfway through the last quarter. I know that's not good sportsmanship, but my son was crying, and I wanted mm. him to stop crying. And I, it's it's such a primitive fatherly instinct. And the yeah, and I, and so I turned it off, and then he was crying, and then. Everything did, yeah, absolutely. Everything hit me. Like, you know, I can't work. Uh, you know, the who knows what society's like after this. Will I? Well, you know, I put a lot of a lot of my mental health, the uh, self esteem comes from being, you know, a, what I I'd like to think a pretty good stand up comedian. But I'm so out of practice now, and I'm so scared of being not as good anymore. And all those fears, like I was able to just use footy as a panacea to kind of distract myself from all these problems. And then, so as soon as Losing the grand final, all the other problems just came streaming in. And, yeah, the Sunday after was not a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I mean, look, we, we um, before the show started, we did touch on that. You know, what do we what do we talk about when it comes to well-being and mental health? And I, I think the biggest thing for us is that, you know, Danny and I are going to continue to do this podcast during the off-season at this stage as much as we possibly can. Um, we want to continue mm-hmm. to provide you with some insight whether that be just interesting people or um interesting bulldogs people or high performance people whoever it is um but that's because for for all intents and purposes we just want to catch up you know i mean that's what football's about and i think for the dogs people out there whether it's this podcast or you're calling your mates on the weekend to catch up that's that's part of being a bulldog supporters whether we're in a pandemic or not and so whatever way you can manage it it's so important yeah Man, because uh, so I went to work on the Sunday at having been paying attention and everyone and the problem is we're all wearing masks and stuff in studio on on filming days. You're either wearing a you got a mask on at all times. Some people even have masks and face shields. So, you know, there's a few like pats on the back, commiserations and everything. Uh, there's one uh, Melbourne supporter there, Rob Sitch, uh, who I just said as soon as I walked in, mate, mate, I cannot talk to you, please. I'll talk to you in a week. Uh, and then but yeah, so but and I went straight home as soon as filming had done. There was no real proper discussion about it. And on my other podcast, uh, Limo had booked Titus O'Reilly as the uh, as the guest, and uh, and I had to walk out uh, ten minutes in because he, you know Titus was feel, you know talking about the moments he loved in the grand final, the the moment he realised he was finally going to get his dream, and and I just couldn't listen to it. I had to go, guys. I'll I'll chat to you after. I'm going to go just go to the other room, remove myself from the situation. And then finally, once Titus left, I, I, I just 
vented at Lemo for about 20 minutes and and that's what I needed. That you just need that outpouring because you know m- my wife is is great, my favorite person in the world, but she doesn't care about footy and she's not there to be able to discuss the frustrations at the players and my kids definitely can't help with that. So that helped a lot. So I that really taught me the 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 value of just talking, talking it out. Because if we'd been at the game, we would have been able to go to the pub and and just debrief and go, what the hell was that? But we've yep. all sort of just got to absorb it as well as all the other problems we've got. Yeah, it's funny, right? I mean, uh, I mean, we're both biased in the sense that we wanted the Bulldogs to win, but moments in games like that that actually are like historic tend to kind of fade into the ether a bit given the fact that there was such a big blowout. Like, I mean, Christian Petraka was phenomenal. Some of the stuff that he did was genuinely jaw-dropping. Um, Bailey Fritch, incredible to not get a Norm Smith when you kick six in the grand final. But, you know, yeah. Christian was just so good. Um, but I just can't – it just doesn't have that. And that's why I love close grand finals. You know, be that um, be that the, the Sydney Hawthorne game or uh, yeah. what's another good one? Some of the, uh, the the famous Brisbane games, Geelong St Kilda, right? The um, West Coast Sydney games, back yes. to back. Yes, you know that's what grand finals are supposed to be like. I'm not supposed to. Uh, it, it's never supposed to seem like the other team's given up. Like I even remember remember going to uh, Geelong Collingwood, and I watched Brad Ottens just eat Collingwood alive. But and they, I think they won by forty points. Tom Hawkins had his big game. But it didn't feel like Collingwood had given up. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like they were so far out and away um, being beaten that they couldn't even compete anymore. So anyway, that was the uh, the toughest thing, I think, about the game. Yeah, it's it's sort of um, a lot of my rage, uh, you know, and I do love all the players and stuff, but I, I kept hearing Terry Wallace uh, just, if I see anyone go out there getting a pat on the back for a good effort, I'll spew up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's tough. I've got to clarify. I mean, I, I genuinely don't think any of the Bulldogs players gave up. I, but in the weight of such crushing momentum in terms of the way that Melbourne were playing, it must have been so demoralizing. I, mm. I, I did a little bit of research before we came on, Danny, and I was looking at some of Bont's comments because, of course, you, you interview the captain. He was fantastic, you know, team lifting stuff, particularly in that second quarter. And he, he just said, look, that second half, it wasn't us. And, he, and he, they specifically asked him, they said, oh, you know, what was the cause of all of this momentum? Where did they get it from? And he said, well, we, we always play this inside-outside balance game where we play close to the, the stoppage, the guys like Libba. And then you've got the guys like maybe Bont plays a bit of both, Jacko's probably a little bit further out, and they try and keep the distance and stop the ball spurting out. And he just said, look, they walked it out of the front of the centre square bounce seven times for goals. He said, that never happens. Yeah. Um, and we just didn't give our defenders a chance. And I, I couldn't help but think that was the case. And that's really you know, disappointing given how good our midfield has been. Yeah. I mean, even from a tactical thing, like, you know, we, we were all screaming, like, you know, kill the ball, you know, stop it from getting out there. I mean, you know, we surely that was being yelled in the coach's box as well. So, I mean, it's just so hard to fathom. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, Danny, the, the, the real issue... I mean, you can play... Um, well, you know, if you play FIFA, there's the setting park the bus. <laughs> you can play <laughs> You can play park the bus around the ground, but at centre bounce, you're super naked. You just... There's nowhere to go. There's, there's no one... There's no hiding. It's, it's three midfielders on three midfielders and one ruckman on one ruckman. And... That Luke Jackson, mate, he was phenomenal. And just not just his tap work, his ability to create space afterwards, to create momentum, to get clearances. I didn't even know the kid. He was brilliant. He was probably better than Gorn, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like in and terms of we, influence. He's got a special place in Bulldogs folklore up there with Darren Jarman in 97. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, Bali, Bali. Uh, Bailey Fritch is probably the one that stands out in terms of just the guy who benefited from the uh, the disaster that was our, our centre square work. But God, does that add to the pain, yeah. the fact that it was a Bailey that took us apart? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like we've got we've got dibs on the name Bailey because we've got yeah. 11 of them playing week to week. 
The only, well, it would have been more ironic is if, if an actual bulldog came onto the field and took out all of our players. Where, you know, a bulldog wearing a D's jumper. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the game, just doing the Choco Williams walking around. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, how much? I mean, you know, we're just we're all over the shop here, but I think it's important we just keep keep talking what comes up in our heads and healing. How annoying them playing freed by desire, freed from desire. You know, our song. After the game, did you see that them dancing I to did. it? I I did, and that's, that's I can't help. Move. I can't help but think it's like, like you know, maybe I'm just a maybe I'm, I hold myself in higher esteem than I should, and I actually was being a dick after the uh, the grand final. But yeah, I don't remember doing that stuff. But anyway, like it's not really here nor there. I'm sure the uh, the fact that the Bulldogs got so much attention playing that song during the final series and having a couple of beers after the game was used as fuel to to um to spur the uh the, the demons players on. Well you say we got so much attention. This is what really annoyed me is I thought the narrative was so good in the media because it was all Melbourne and it was just ignoring us and then we were perfectly placed to just come up and and you know mm. take the win and everyone would have to acknowledge that we're good. But yeah, that, then it, it didn't come true, and all of the media coverage was right. That that hurt as well. That would be like yeah. admitting, you know, it's like admitting Andrew Bolt's right. You don't want it. It's just not. It feels unnatural. <laughs> you just don't, don't want to do it. You don't want to have nah. to do it. You know, I've yeah, never had I've, to yet. Thank God with Bolty. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is, mate. It's it's hard to fathom. You know, actually, funnily enough, I think it was so decisive that it didn't sit with me the same that it way that it sat with you, but. As the week and the weeks have rolled on since, I think it stings a bit more, especially because, like, we were so good for so much of the year and so many yeah. players had breakout seasons and um, had opportunities to be, you know, their own version of JJ or Pico starring in the game, in the grand final or the Shane Biggs never forget moment. And we just... It, we just never gave ourselves the chance to have any of those moments, which is kind of sad. In a way. And ironically, the last thing that happened before Melbourne went on that rampage was one of those moments, Caleb taking down Max Gorn. Yeah, and then apparently being cited for for what? Gorny oh, very, man. very clearly was trying to get a little free kick out of the fact that Caleb oh, was tackling mate. him across the line. And then I watched it. And the funny is probably the only the, the one shining light in the second half was Max Gorn scratching his head on the Astro turf after diving for a free kick. <laughs> I think even Alex Rance went, "Hey, that's a bit too far that dive." Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. I was like, "Oh, anyway." He um, anyway, it was funny and and also funny seeing the Caleb Daniel getting cited, smallest way on the competition, exactly <laughs> for it. A high impact or some dangerous tackle and Max Gorn. I was like, this is one of the ironies of the game. <laughs> I've asked a few people about what happened in the game. The best answer I got was uh, from friend of the show, Chaz Licadello, who uh, he put uh, to me, the sudden nature of the switch in the game is bizarre and very hard to explain unless you have experienced what it's like to dig the way past dig way past the bottom of the barrel of your reserves and be going on fumes for weeks. We had no buy. The time in quarantine would be so mentally draining that's twice as taxing on their mental resources and they would have been shocked by how badly they started to grind your way back in over 45 painstaking minutes and going to the lead would have been so good and then Melbourne to score three goals in 38 seconds just would have absolutely shattered them and there's no way back from that. Is that what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know I love Chad. Great yeah. guy. Good friend of the show. Bad internet connection. Terrible <laughs> take. <laughs> terrible. Terrible, well, terrible, with- terrible, Chad. What are you talking about? Mate, the reason we lost was because Melbourne kicked seven goals from centre square clearances, which meant that none of our four, uh, defenders had any chance whatsoever. And, you know, this is the thing, Danny. When they, when they go back and look at this game, and all the football writers talk about um, how holistic Melbourne's performance was. You know, they say offensive weaponry and amazing, you know, seven, what was it, buddy, 40 minutes, 100 points. Then they go and they were measly or miserly in defence as well. Not true. The Bulldogs did not have the ball for the entirety of the 40 minutes. So there's no defending <laughs> that goes on. 
you can't you can't attack when you are running head, hand over fist to defend against one of the best midfields in the competition nonstop over and over again. It's just not possible. And like I said, for both prelims, neither team was as good as they looked and neither team was as bad as they looked in that 100 minutes. Things just went really right for the Demons and we got things really wrong. Yeah. What, okay, can you go into specific footy speak? Uh, you know, I'll pull you up when you're confusing. What footy things did it go wrong? Go, Don't go cliches. Go, you know, use technical terms and I'll, I'll, I'll try and translate it for us, for us muggles. Yeah, well, and, and I would consider myself a muggle within the football analytics world. But what I was looking at was that even from the very start of the game, we looked super, super suspect around the footy at every stoppage. So if the ball um, bobbled close to the ruckman, you know, was in sort of two or three metres, we looked pretty good. As soon as it got outside that what we would call the inner ring, we looked horrible. I don't know if okay, you're – you Let's pull it there. What's Yeah, I know, but uh, what, what inner ring? What's – I mean, that – three... I mean, first of all, hilarious. Uh, second of all, what does it mean? <laughs> inner ring. Three meter radius from the ruckman, four meter radius. Three, you know? So we're talking at a at a at a at a ball up stoppage. here. Yeah, yeah. At any stoppage, yep. really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also applies really from a boundary throw in. It's slightly different, but similar concept. You know, it's just okay. close to where the ball is um, in a stoppage. Okay. And then once the ball got outside of that three or four meter radius from the ruckman, then goes to, well, I don't know what they call it now, but it's like the second layer, which is like four or five metres to 10 metres, 10 or 15 metres from the Ruckman. So as these layers get more, sorry, as they go out, so first layer is small, second layer is much bigger, third layer is basically the whole ground. So it's like the rings of Saturn. Yeah, sure. So if you're picturing, so the the stoppage is the planet. We were good within the planet. As soon as the ball went into the rings... We were no good. We looked terrible. And I, I, the way I describe it, the, re, the way you know that that's happening is when you look up and you see Angus Brayshaw, Christian Petraka, Clayton Oliver all standing next to each other with what seems like no opponent and the ball next to them. I don't know if, how many times yeah. I saw that in the first half. You know, just accumulation of Melbourne stoppage players. So that really hurt us um, because it meant that they got us on the outside in terms of outside the stoppage. Once the ball broke, they were mm-hmm. yeah. no pressure, no one coming at their face as they're running towards their goal, which is much makes it much, much harder to kick the ball well if someone's coming at your face. Yeah. If you can see forwards, like you can draw or hold a piece of string with no one in between you and a forward, it's much, much easier to kick it to them. And there did seem to be a lot got. of panic. Whenever yep. we had the ball, there was there was the darting of the eyes, like a like a gazelle looking for the lionesses. Yeah, and if you think back to like Bailey Fritch is a good example. How many times that bloke just seemed to run onto an open lead on the fat side of the ground? Yeah, yeah. How, how is he do, not being do that. up on? Well, because Bailey Fritch's man is being told to defend where the ball is, and he's expecting his midfielders to keep the ball from going from one side of the ground to the other side of the ground. So if you're in a stoppage, Danny, on the wing, on the left wing, you're expecting as the defender for the ball to stay on that left-hand side of the ground because the midfielders are supposed to stop it coming through the corridor. Okay. But if it comes through the corridor, Bailey Fritch, who's quick, has got a good jump and reads the play really, really well and doesn't miss, is in the perfect Jack Gunston style position. So what? So are you? T- so why aren't we like you know? Why aren't you like sticking to him like blue tack? Like you know, just staying wherever he is at all times. Is that is well, that a very outdated way of defending? Yeah, well, that's the caveat, right? Like if if we keep them, even even if Melbourne win the ball, and they stay on that what we would call the skinny side of the ground, that left hand side of the ground in this scenario, our defenders. Yeah, is there what, the fat side. What, the other one saw the side. fat side. Really? Yeah. What, what's where's that come from? Well, fat side is like switching the play. It's going to the bigger side of the ground. Oh, so wherever the ball is is the skinny side. Yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, it's not like you know the punt road end and the city end. 
No, no, it's not like the members of the Southern Stand. It's not like the uh, the local oval where one of the pockets is bigger than the other. (laughs) (laughs) So the fat side is where the ball is. Skinny side is where the ball isn't. So the fat side is the open side of the ground. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay, I get it. I get it. It's a visual thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So in in this scenario that I've very poorly outlined to someone who doesn't hasn't hasn't spent no, this is good. 10, 10 years knowing this stuff, if the ball gets kicked on the skinny side of the ground, even if Melbourne win it, our defenders yep. are very very good at taking intercept marks. Yes, spoiling for each other, so mm-hmm. coming off their man, and also working the ball into the hands of Caleb Daniel, Bailey Dale. Jason Johannesson when he's down there, um, whomever. Yeah. Bailey Williams. And the midfielders who are coming back to defend. But the one weakness you have when you play defense like that is that if the stoppage players can work the ball from the left-hand side of the ground into the corridor, which means that they can kick the ball anywhere on the ground, it's impossible to defend that way. Because you're already you're you're anticipating the ball being in one place, and now that it's not. You smoked. You got no chance. And so, when you're in, so if you're like in a, a forward, you're in Bailey Fritch's position. You're seeing your team attempting to get it to the fat side of the ground. If you see them break that first layer, you know the planet. Yep. You start leading straight away because they're going to find you. They know where you are. Yeah, it depends how far you are away from the ball. But I imagine what Bailey Fritch is doing is that as soon as that ball breaks out and it looks like Christian Petraka, Clayton Oliver, any of their wingers are getting on the end of it, he's probably walking backwards to try and give himself some distance from his man. So then his man has to look at the ball and then at him. And he can't look at both at the same time. And then as soon as Bailey sees the midfielder's eyes come up, he's leading full pelt straight past his man and it's impossible to defend. Especially for a guy who's pretty quick, you know. Yeah, yeah. So how do I mean? How do we normally? I mean, this is, you're making it sound like so impossible. How did we even? Do, how did we get to the grand final? How do we normally? Well, how do you normally shut this down? Well, this is why I, I brought up Bond, and and um, he he said this was all of his quotes. So I'm not making anything up or making yeah. it seem like it's all the midfielder's fault. But the midfielder's got it really wrong in the second half. Um, it's very difficult for your defenders to defend and your attackers to attack if you don't have the ball and you're putting your defence under so much pressure. And it just seemed like time and time again, Melbourne's uh, quality players around the, around the ball really got on top of us. Right. Okay. This doesn't make it easier. I mean, it's good no, to... It, do, it, I mean, doesn't, it doesn't make it easier, Dania, after our midfield has dominated in that second quarter either. <laughs> yes, and the start of the third. Like, we're three goals up. Like, it's... When JJ takes that mark in the square, I was looking at the body language of the Melbourne fans before. They've all got head in hands. They're all yeah. like, I'm thinking, oh, we're... I mean, no, I wasn't like, hey, we got this. I was like, we are on the way to getting this. We just got to, yeah. you know, things are... You know, and, and the end, the great thing that I thought about this team is we fight to the end and we've got more, you know, match day. You know, they've, they've only played one game in a month. You know, yeah, things were everything was pointing our way. Yeah, I, I um I didn't share the same confidence. I think I was kind of surprised that we were three goals up, but then I was looking back and I was like, Trelaw kicks two in a minute, Bont yeah. kicks three in a quarter, and doesn't miss, which rarely happens. Like Bont's a good <laughs> set shot, but he's not. He's not. It's not his best part of his game. Yeah. So he doesn't miss. Um. Naughty kicks one on his right, good snap, um, and JJ mm-hmm. takes a screamer. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the chances of all of those things happening in a quarter of footy? It didn't. F- it just felt like everything was going our way for whatever reason. And <laughs> While still oh, looking panicky around yeah, that second I, layer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's why, that's why I found it so confusing to deal with because I was like, that quarter of footy, we just we, we were spectacularly efficient, and and that's the other thing. We I think we went inside fifty in the second quarter eight times for six goals. Yeah, that never happens for the Western Bulldogs. The Western <laughs> Bulldogs are notorious at going inside fifty, fifty-five to sixty times a game, or at least for all the statisticians out there actually checking me on my knowledge. <laughs> that's what the way it used to be. 
and and we overwhelm teams with shots on goal and making them defend and eventually we break through and get on top of them as the game goes on but we did not have the volume of inside 50s that we're used to yeah it just it was following the script so well it was like it was like watching a James Bond film and rather than you know James you know about you know half, towards the second the middle the end of the second act so you know two thirds of the way through the film James Bond's captured by the bad guy and he's tied to a table and a laser's coming up and you know normally then he pulls out a you know a a watch and he presses a button and that fires a gun and you know he yep. puts on a hat that turns into a you know razor blades yeah, and su- he, you know, submarine just, or something <laughs> yeah or something you know one of those awesome gadgets and then he goes and you know and kills the bad guy you know half an hour later but in this film we were watching we were all going oh yeah cool here we go james bond's about to th-. they kill james bond and then we have to watch the next third of the film which is them setting fire to the body and kick him in the face yeah, and and yeah, burning his funeral to the ground. Yes, and then just you know finding his family and 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 punching them, and then getting his dog. And, it was like a reverse John Wick. I mean, what? What? Uh, it's not the film we signed up for. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It really is, and I don't know if there's much to salvage from the game. And again, I don't agree with Chaz's. Uh, iteration of what happened I, I think the Bulldogs had all the energy in the world I just think they they just got done for some reason so is and that, I, I, I mean yeah is, I, is that, I, I, I will tell you one more thing Danny I will that really has always been an issue for the Bulldogs which is um Ruckman it's always been an issue um even when I was playing trust me I, I was not the Ruckman <laughs> that we needed I was just the Ruckman we had you were and, for two games, mate. That's all that mattered. Yeah. I mean, when it was Ruffy and I and we could have a third man up, it didn't matter so much. But once it actually became Ruckman, yeah. Ruckman on Ruckman, we've been exposed um, a lot of times. And I'm not having a dig at Steph and um, Tim. What I'm actually saying is that I was actually talking to the owner of the IGA down here a couple of weeks ago about Gorn. And I said the problem with rucking against Gorn is for all of our midfielders is that it's so terrifying. Because if Gorn gets on top, the ball can go anywhere on the ground because he's so much bigger. Whereas if you're like, okay, we're rucking against, and, and it's the same story often with Sandy or Nick Nat, right? And the issue with that is that none of our midfielders can ever go into a contest going, hey, I'm just going to get on the move here in terms of just being attacking and playing risk, risky football. Because they don't know if Gorn's just going to go, oh, you're running off that way, Jack McRae or Bontepelli or Trelaw or Dunks or whoever it is. I'm just going to hit it straight to your man because I know I'm going to win the contest. So you're always up against it in terms of the uh, the ruck contest, which is terrifying as a, as a midfielder, I'm sure. So... I mean, could, Tim English is on the way to being that. I mean, he's not a he's he's a small guy. I mean, a, I mean, slight guy, but he's only like what twenty two, twenty three, and 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 you like if you'd kept playing, you'd be coming into your prime maybe next year. Like you know, Ruckman yeah. aren't good until they're past their twenty fifth birthday. Yeah, I I um I think Gorn's an exception to the rule, um, more so than the norm. I mean, he took so long to get. Good and he's so big, but I mean Tim's two hundred and six or something. So don't get me wrong, he's no, he's no shorty. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing about Tim is that he can clearly play footy. You know, he's got that footy knack. He can kick the ball well. He can mark it. He, I'm convinced he'll be a good player. I just, you know, at this stage anyway, he still needs help. And oh, Steph totally. Martin yeah. um, is not getting younger, and. It, and only played, I think I was looking up before, I think he played nine games for the year. So, I don't know. How so, long did we sign him for? Do we know? Did we sign him for a couple of years? Uh, no, I've got no idea. I, I, it's around this time of year that I fully put my hands up and go, look, I'm not as hardcore fan as, as other people. I mean, my WhatsApp groups are going nuts about trade points and things like that, and it's just it might as well be in Latin. For me, I yeah. Well, the trade the trade point thing only counts for us, I think, because we want uh, Sam Darcy. I think that's yeah, the reason. Yeah, yeah. But but here's the the one thing that I will say it's really concerning, given the fact we just spoke about Ruckman being our issue. The three people or the two people that I've heard come up in trade rumors have been Lewis Young, who's our backup ruck, and Jordan Sweet, yep. who's our other backup ruck. So 
I, I, and Steph Martin's on. He's definitely, let's say, to be as kind as we can be, in the back half of his career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's probably got. If I don't even know if he's playing next year, I you know I hope he is because I you know I like the guy. But uh, you know, yeah, you would you would think that's his last year just biologically. You know, mm. you, you of all people know how much it hurts to play footy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Mentally and physically. <laughs> uh, um, Danny, what we should do as a a point of personal pride in our team is just. Maybe pick out, I was just thinking, one or two moments from the year that you're really, really proud of in terms of our Bulldogs. Because as disappointing as the game was and as disappointing as the last 40 minutes of our year was, up until that exact moment in time when things turned to um, absolute garbage, mm-hmm. we had a magnificent year against all odds. So I don't know if you've got any games in particular that stand out to you. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I definitely one thing I, I rewatched all of the minis on KO of of our year, uh, just building up to the grand final, and the match that really I'd, I'd forgotten how good it was was round two against West Coast because uh, mm-hmm. it was it was such a brilliant game. I think we won. Was it five points in the end? Let me. I'm just bringing up the stats on my phone. We're down nine uh, twelve, which is uh, sixty six. They're 12 6, 78. We are down by two. Oh, and, and as I recall, they kick three in junk time of the third quarter. And normally, yes, uh, yes. Liam, normally Liam we Ryan drop definitely it. kicked one. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. just flashing into my mind that Liam Ryan definitely kicked one. You're right. He was, I mean, he was so good. I, I watched that. Oh. My son came to that game, and I always like to point out to him the opposition players who we should watch out for. And I, I said to him, number one for, for West Coast, he's so good. He's like, even if he, even if they beat us, he's going to kick an amazing goal, and that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, he was irritatingly good that day. But yeah, we held them goalless in that last quarter. And this is, you know, West Coast are a very good side, and and normally we drop our heads. We, you know, something I was really proud of the dogs this year is how rarely we drop our heads. And I know the pain of saying that after that grand final, <laughs> but we were, you know, Brisbane, we could have dropped our heads so many times. Uh, what else? Uh, what other matches? I mean, you, you go another moment. I'll, I'll have plenty. Don't worry. I, I actually, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to find the actual game. But the game that stands out to me too is also a West Coast game, which was oh, this right. one here. Here we go. Round round 15. Round 15, they go in, you know, West Coast are super hot favourites. It's in Optus Stadium. We've been told that yes. we're not allowed to leave the hotel room for seven days or six days. And then we've got to play and we've got to get back on the plane and we've got to play in a week's time. And we go out there, it's wet and absolutely no crowd. Do- dominate them. Yes. Dominate them in their home ground. Jacko has 32, kicks a goal. Bailey Smith has 31, kicks two. Bonte has 29, and kicks three. Like, just, I watched that game. And so, you know, very pivotal point of the year, round 15, you're sort of two thirds of the way through. And this is where the good sides start to show themselves. And when we won that game, I was like, they actually might be a chance this year. That was the first time I really gave them the big sort of kudos, here we come, we're, we're a good chance to be a good side. Yeah, and don't forget, we'd lost to Geelong the week before in that heartbreaking goal after the siren game, so, right, which would course. psychologically damage almost any team. All right, my next one I want to talk about that's very proud, um, our biggest winning margin ever against North Melbourne. Um, so often in my experience of being a Bulldogs fan, we get to a comfortable margin and then take the foot off the accelerator. We didn't. We we yeah. really, everyone seemed to really want to make sure Josh Bruce got to 10 and everyone really worked hard and, and we bullied them, which is something we, we rarely do. We're normally the, the likable Bulldogs, but we were absolute pricks to them and Josh Bruce got his, and it was, I've never seen us do that. I mean, the last time we won by over 100 points was against Essendon 2019, and we really backed off in that last quarter, which I've got to say annoyed me. I really wanted us our biggest margin ever to be against Essendon. That would have been glorious. Yeah, let's. Uh, it's a good point, mate. Let's give Joshy Bruce his flowers. What a year he had. You know, oh. I think he kicked just shy of 50 goals. Yep. Devastating for him with the uh, almost unfathomable injury so late up uh, like as the siren goes like what are what yeah. are the what are the chances on um, his 150th game copped great very good point also horrible just 
terrible yeah. way to end it, but it was a terrible night all in all. Um, it had copped every bit of criticism last year and intensified yes. by the fact that he was stuck in a hub. Um, you know, dealing with all of the challenge of that with a young family, wasn't playing good footy, uh, played one good game probably for the year, which I think one well, one standout <laughs> game North for the year, Melbourne. which was against North Melbourne. Yeah. And then to come out this year and every game he played, he looked he looked dangerous. He looked likely. Yeah. And then he'd come out and kick ten. Um, Joshy Bruce, if you're out there listening, one well done on a wonderful year. And also the newest addition, I believe, to the AFLW coaching. Yeah, at the Western Bulldogs, alongside one of his old teammates, if I'm not mistaken, in Dylan Roberton from St Kilda, who's yeah, also right. there. I don't know Dylan that well, but uh, yeah, I, I was quite excited. I'm most excited we've got uh, Mel Hickey as a as an assistant coach. She was a great player, uh, to, to, uh, irritating for the demons uh, against <laughs> us a lot of the time. That's a it's a it's a funny turn of fate. I mean, we've been playing against the demons in the AFLW since the beginning, and exactly. I even heard a demons. Uh, it was on Twitter. Someone said this uh, because they've got Taylor Harris. They might be the quote first team to get the men's and the women's double header. I'm like, hey, 2016, we did that. We got the VFL, the AFLW, and the AFL. Sure, there was only two teams in the AFLW. We still did it. Do not undermine our club's achievements. But uh, but do we win? But do we win the AFLW in 2017? We won the Hampson Hardeman Cup, which was a you know one off exhibition game. Yeah, but didn't we win? When did we win our first uh, proper final uh, flag with the AFLW? 2018. Oh, okay. I was about to say, if it's on oscillating years, it doesn't really matter. It's all part of the same season because we don't really yeah. – they're sort of playing two seasons, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a bit confusing. They play in summer. We play in winter. All right, mate. Well, uh, have we got some um, some listener mail to go through? Uh, uh, we do. We do. We do. I also want to uh, – just one last game. I mean, I've only looked at the first half of the season. I could probably name oh, yeah, several more point. games. But um, when we beat GWS uh, in Canberra, uh, you know, you may not may have forgot this, but uh, we were only three points up at three quarter time. It was an absolute arm wrestle, and then we kicked six goals to their three. No, we kicked nine goals to their three in such a pulsating last quarter. It was amazing. I, I, I can't get a grasp on the Giants at all. They are they just seem like the worst opposition to get at any time of year. Yet <laughs> they don't win very often. Like they they only won eleven games this year, which is really strange to me. Like, anyway, yeah, they're, side anyway. note, but just anyway, like they always seem like they're the team that's got the most talent in the competition. <laughs> Every time I look at them, I'm like, there's 10 players in this team that are so good. Uh, my heart bleeds. Oh, well, sorry, GWS. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Maybe, maybe sorry, I should get another draft pick. <laughs> mm, I'm sure they will. Are they, do, they they lost another one today, Jeremy Finlayson. and he went over to Port Adelaide, actually. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. That's a shame. Right, what do we got here? Uh, really disappointed. <laughs> oh, my heart bleeds for GWS. It's just when when will when will Toby Green get a break? Such a nice guy. Anyway, uh, let's go to the questions. Um, yeah, we've mentioned that. Oh, um, Kitty wants to know what music were you listening to because the commentary on TV was uh, getting pretty dreadful. And you don't listen to the commentary; you put music on. What were you playing? Uh... And who I'll do we blame? What song was on for that three-minute bit where they got all the goals? I'd love to tell you I was listening to the music this week, but I felt it felt uh, important that I listened to the commentary. And you know what? Actually, I don't remember the commentary being so bad. I'd have a, had a couple of beers, but I think the main thing was that it, it just was all happening so fast. They couldn't really stuff it up. It was just like Melbourne picked the ball up, Melbourne kicked the ball to their forwards, the forwards kicked the goal. Oh my god. This is so good. <laughs> so there wasn't like any game analytics. It was just like, what is happening? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I could. I wasn't listening. I was mostly hearing my son cry. So uh, yeah. it wasn't great. Um, was uh, that your, was it well, your ma- son or was it your inner your inner child? Oh, it was absolutely <laughs> both of us by the end. Don't worry about that. I'm. I'm probably, um, Bob McNamara wants to know why are the Bulldogs not considered a destination club generally. I don't think that's the case. 
I mean, we've had a lot of draft picks. I mean, a lot of uh, key players come over the years. I mean, not that we're... Yeah. I think we're most likely the biggest issue is when you talk about destination clubs, they usually got a whole heap of money in their salary cap. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> I thought it's it was like- a destination club. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the best destination in the entirety of the AFL. Um, so I think I think that's probably part of it. Um, but, you know, we got Adam Trelaw. I mean, I know it was under strange circumstances, but he's a top yeah. 25 player in the competition when he's fit. Yep. Um, Josh Bruce uh, hadn't played his best footy in the year or two before he came to us, but he kicked 58 goals, I think, one year. He's a seriously good player. Yeah. Uh, who else has come on board? Uh, Dunks re-signed with us after trying to go to Essendon. What a disaster that would have been, Josh. Well done on signing back up and having a start with your bromance with Adam Traor. Now you can actually stay forever. Oh, is he staying? So, I mean, you you know, I, don't, I hate to be all uh, you know Fox Footy and and stuff, but have you have you sp- actually have you spoken to any of the players at all? Yeah, I have. Um, look, I mean. What's the messaging? I mean, I haven't spoken to a lot of the players for starters, but I yep. have spoken to a couple. And I think the general feel is, you know, a big sigh of relief that the year's over. Obviously, horrendously disappointing. Um, but equally, it, it has been an extraordinarily taxing journey on them and their families, which is, you know, doesn't get reported much because, you know, we we struggle to, uh, to complain about our AFL players because they are living and working full time. But they're also entertaining millions of people and they are, a lot of them, spending, you know, for the Bulldogs boys, I think it was basically 40 days on the road again. Um, yeah. Many leaving, you know, wives with young kids at home. So I think the relief of the year being over was overwhelming. Um, but, look, my suggestion would be that first day preseason, they'll probably watch that second half. That's the way that I, I would guess Bevo will go about it. Um, I don't know yeah. this for a fact. Bevo wouldn't even have decided yet. Um, and they will be uh, forced to relive the, the horrors of that game over and over again until they uh, start preseason training. Yeah. Uh, what what tact? I mean, we've gone through the tactics that went wrong. Do you have any solutions that we could do for these? Uh, you know, for next time we play the D's. I mean, obviously we will be fired. I mean, it, it's probably going to be round two at the MCG where they unfurl their flag. Uh, yeah. We will have to watch that and take our medicine. Revenge will be high on the agenda, but what can we do tactically to take, you know, to go one step further? Well, I I don't know if that answer really matters, which sounds a bit snarky, but we no no for this podcast. If you think about the Port Adelaide, we want want to give people some optimism. If you think about the Port Adelaide game. We looked almost as good, not quite, but almost as good. And that just says to me that um, we got it wrong. We don't need to change who we are or what, what we are, what we do. But I, I um, there, there's going to be – my sense is changes on the horizon in one way, shape, or form with the Bulldogs, you know, whether that be uh, delistings or uh, trades or what. Something's going to happen. That's just the nature of the end of the year. So, yeah. Hopefully, that means bringing in additions that are positive, net positive, um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think um, I think we're, we're good enough to beat them. We we beat them probably in one of the biggest games of the year in round eighteen or nineteen. So, if we replayed the grand final, what odds would you if say say it was on today? You know, we we you know, Men in Black came and zapped everyone, and their memories are gone. And we redid it. And they all think it's Grand Final Day again. Would how, how much chance would you give us, or would history just repeat? No, I think we'd be we'd be three goal underdogs, but not a hundred point underdogs or eighty points or whatever it was. So, we, are you saying we, 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 what odds would yeah, we be to win? We, we, we'd be I don't know. Would 35 40 50 40 40% of winning i don't know it's hard to right. put a number on but you know uh, slight underdogs not two point underdogs but not 30 point underdogs um, and would we win yeah i'd say I, I would say honestly 
let's take that game out of it. Let's play the play the grand final ten times with those two teams. I yeah. think we'd win four and we'd lose six. That's what I think. <laughs> Remember, we talked about giving it an optimistic ending, Boydy. This episode, I, oh, mate. <laughs> I said we're going to change our list. We, we're going to be back bigger and better next year. Melbourne aren't going to have the same run with injuries that they had this year. I mean, like. Things change. I'm just saying that on the teams that played on the day, now that you know how good the Melbourne can be, it's uh, it's hard to not give them at least a one-game edge in a uh, 10-game final series. If Josh Bruce plays in that grand final, do we win? <sighs> if Josh Bruce plays. I think I think it helps, right? It's got to help. Of um, course it helps, yeah. It, it's got to help with uh, linking the ball through. The problem is, this is what I'm struggling to get my head around. So we we just got beaten so badly in the middle of the ground. Um, I don't know what Josh Bruce is going to do about that. But he's got to help with our ball movement. He's got to help us move the ball from the back half of the ground, which in the second half seemed nearly impossible. Um, so do we win? We get closer. <laughs> which <it seems. laughs> <laughs> it's such a bad Stop answer. Being honest. I I can't get like I can't get the second half of the game out of my mind as I'm sure you can't. Like uh yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to get it out of my mind. It's uh all right. Well, what, I was I was thinking we were we were hoping to get, you know, some positivity here uh going for the for the end of the episode, you know, something that makes people All right, hang on, hang on, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. One thing we talked about the day, uh, the Monday after the grand final, and we chatted on the phone, and you were helping me through it all. I, I know it's actually on the night I texted you. I uh, we're talking about it's this sort of loss in a grand final that can break teams. I mean, in Melbourne, I mean, it's a prime example. They were great in twenty eighteen, got thumped in the prelim, and went into the didn't make finals the next two years. GWS get thumped in the grand final. They don't make the finals the next year. Uh, it's you know it, how how do you stop that from breaking our team? Well, I'll start with the negatives first. I did say I'll leave you in an optimistic state, but I was let's talk optimism about next year, not what could have happened in the grand final that's already been played. Yeah, we okay, can't do fine. anything about that. So the bad yeah. things: we just lost Stephen King, we just lost Daniel Jansen-Cusa last year, and now we've just lost Ashley Hansen. Not good. A few, but a few people asked about that. Will that will that affect too much, or is it good to get fresh blood in? No, it's not good to get that much fresh blood in. And but yes, we will find good people, and we will be fine. Um, but Stephen King and Ash Hansen and GR, the great operators. There's only so many great operators in the AFL, and really, really good coaches and great blokes, might I add, for any of them who may mm-hmm. listen to this. Um, <laughs> The reason why it won't break us as a club is um, very, very clear to me, which is that we have um, a core group of players, which I think I counted at like 10 or 12 players who played 20 games this year. And within those players, we have the greatest bulldog of all time, calling it early, Bonte, going to be there, going to get there, Um, obsessive, going to do the right thing, going to be a brilliant player again next year. You've got uh, Adam Trelaw, same. Obsessive, will play good footy. Bailey Smith, same. Lockie Hunter's never had a bad season in his life. Jack McRae's never had a bad season in his life. Um, Josh Dunkley, if I didn't mention him already, I can't even remember at this stage. Um, oh, yeah, you've yeah. got Bailey Dale, who's come out and had his breakout year. Um, Caleb Daniels had another wonderful season. Um, and you've got the two boys up forward, and I know Josh will be missed for at least half the season next year. But you've got the two big boys up front who can seriously play footy, which is all a very good start. So the reason why I won't break us is that many of these players who weren't having their best days, I don't really think are in that core 10 or 12 players. You know, the ones who maybe underperformed, it, it didn't strike me that, you know, that any of them were our top 10 players. We just really didn't get the bottom five or six players to contribute as much as we would have hoped. Um, so in a long way, roundabout way of saying, we'll be just fine. We've got a really core, strong part of our list. We played 42 players or something this year, which is good. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're hoping to play less next year, but 
such as uh, <laughs> such as the nature of injuries. And Danny, uh, I don't know if we know this yet, but obviously we got Toby coming back too. Favorite of the show, fan favorite, of course. Now, if Toby plays in that grand final, obviously we win. Yeah. Who else is going to jump on someone's back and get carried for 20 metres without anyone realising? <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So so what happens in this parallel universe is uh, Caleb takes Max Gorn to the ground. Max Gorn dives for a free kick, gets, uh, gets a, a free kick against him for diving simulation. Josh Bruce takes the kick, kicks a goal from outside 50. Toby jumps on his back. It's just recreation. Of the uh, oh, of the magic, can <laughs> I can. I can the Photoshop only, it. The only thing would be, you know, it'd be great. That'd be the coolest photo ever because you've got me on my right foot, Toby on my back, and Josh Bruce on his left, Toby on oh. his back. It'd be like this amazing mirage of Bulldogs <laughs> history. I'm, I'm afraid we can't just make these things happen. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, we'd be artists. It'd be incredible. I'm sure someone could Photoshop that. Definitely, yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good, mate. No, I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're just going to be uh, we're going to be just fine. The one thing that I will say that adds into your um, uh, comment around it breaking teams, I think a lot of those teams were older. It, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like, in my memory at least, that a lot of them are like, "This is our go. This is our one go." A lot of our core group of players aren't thirty five years old or thirty years old even. A lot of them are yeah. younger, which is both good for our long-term future, but also for our immediate one as well. Yeah, we do seem to have the next five years look as rosy as they're ever going to be for the Bulldogs, which uh, for a couple of years that was that was awesome. Now we're back to our old pessimistic uh, ways and uh, I'm sure we're going to – there's there's the voice in our head just going, well, you're going to stuff this up. That's uh, the, uh, the romance oh. of 16 meant that our pessimism disappeared for a few years, but now it'll, it'll be back. Like, if, you know, fingers crossed we make grand final next year and it's an easy win. And But if we're, you know, even if we're only seven goals up uh, in, the, in the, the end of the third quarter, everyone's going to be panicking at three-quarter time. Everyone is just going to be at the MCG just going, oh, God, I can't relax. I can't relax. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing how... You sit there on grand final day and you go, geez, that season went quick. And then after grand final, especially when you lose, you go, God, that was a long year. It's a long way back to the top. <laughs> yes. And how you know, long is it till till March next year when the men's season begins again? And the fact they've pushed back women's till January. I mean, I can't I can't deal with what is it? This is early October. I can't deal with two months, months of no footy. It's still got three weeks of lockdown for God's sake. It's uh, there's only one thing you can do. There's only one thing you can do. You go back and watch every single <laughs> game from 2016 from start to finish. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's like you watch two games a week. There's 26 games that year. 13 yeah. weeks of footy. There you go. Well, there we go. There. And then, and with, and then by then we're back with the women's. So all right, that's yeah. what, that's everyone's homework. Go back and watch all those games. Now, now we, have, Danny, we we haven't locked in any guests for the upcoming bit yet. But if the no. listeners do have anyone that they would like to hear on the podcast, be that important people who tell us how the Bulldogs players are training, or what an AFL off season looks like, or certain players in their off season um, telling us what they've been doing in you know extra weights and getting their skinnies down yeah. and all of the lies that they'll tell us. Um, who do we want? And don't anyone tell me uh, Bailey Smith because he's obviously the heaviest requested person on the planet Earth these days. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty hard for us to get uh, current day players, but we I mean we can try. I mean, there's, there's no oh, is it? So we so we could yeah. get Bailey Smith if we wanted, or or you know Willie Will Hayes. I mean, you know, he's the, he's the, him and. Dominic Bendendo are the two guys who didn't play. Let's get them on. Let's go. How, yeah. You know, how was it from the from up close? I could definitely get Hayes. He's a wonderful, wonderful man, young Will. I don't know Dominic, but I would just get all of the uh, the young fellas on together and just watch them all squirm under the, the bright lights of the, uh, <laughs> the Danny Boyd podcast. 
Well, there's no there's no official Bulldogs podcast as far as we know right now. We're the you know we're the we're, we're the front runner. That's right. That's right. I can't imagine what they're going to possibly do to uh, to catch up to us, mate. Now that we've got momentum, and now that we're going to be running oh. through the off season, it's it's impossible to uh, it's impossible to imagine. So the uh, the opportunity is out there to all of the uh, people at the Bulldogs, many of whom I know. If you need a podcast that's uh, you know viable, up and coming, yep. It's got its own fan base already. Yep. Huge fan base. Massive. In the in the yep. hundreds of thousands of millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> the Danny Boyd podcast is the answer to all of your challenges. Do you know, do you know what we do, Boydy? We uh we get we get on Bailey Smith and BTS, and then suddenly the whole world would listen. Every female on the planet. <laughs> uh, well, I can't imagine that Bailey Smith is followed solely by Australians. That's my issue. Exactly. Not a, yeah. There's not 300,000 people who want to follow your Bailey Smith on Instagram because he kicks the footy good. <laughs> no. I think what, – okay, so what we do is we get uh, we get Bailey Smith to learn Mandarin and Spanish and uh, and we interview him and he gives answers three times and then suddenly, boom, we are bigger than – we're the biggest podcast on earth. Oh, by far. It have to be, yeah. and it, and it'd be good if he could, you know, speak all of the languages of the subcontinent. Um, yes, all throughout uh, oh. the, uh, the, the Eastern Bloc. I got an idea. <laughs> this this is what we do, Boydie. We get we get Bailey Smith and 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 a, and a Hemsworth, and uh, and we play a, a Bulldogs quiz. You know, know your history of your club and all that. And every time you get a question wrong, you have to remove an article of clothing. Well, it'd be an eye catcher. That's for sure. Would, Here's actually yeah. a prediction. Here's a prediction. You've just made me think of it. All right. Bailey Smith and Chris Hemsworth will cross cross paths at some point in the next two years. One hundred percent. That's how big Bailey Smith is going to be. Oh, totally. Remember when the remember when Chris Hemsworth played the Bont in that that ad for the AFL? No, I don't remember he, that. But it, it, it was an ad like for it, AFL. It sounds like he was like, like <laughs> he was pitching the movie of AFL to some oh, Hollywood yeah, that's people. Right. And he wanted to play the Bond and him wearing the number four Guernsey. I'll tell you what, me and my wife pictured the same person while we made love that night. If we didn't get a Bulldogs discount on Chris Hemsworth's work, then the AFL spent too much money on that ad. I can almost guarantee it. If Chris Hemsworth is not getting out of bed for more than like less than a million bucks, is he? There's nah. no way. Nah. And, but Chris, hey, you're welcome on the pod anytime. I'm, I'm sure you listen, mate. My love uh, for anytime, I, uh, Chris. Me, I feel like me and you know each other inter- intimately. We rubbed shoulders once. You were wearing a very nice blue shirt or suit, and I was wearing a very nice blue football jumper after a grand final. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. By the way, we're being mean to Liam and uh, and uh, Luke Hemsworth, who are also very welcome to come on. We're yeah. not just uh, you know the parents. That. Yeah, I'll take any of them. Yeah, hell, even if you, you know, <laughs> even if you, yeah, Roger Roger Hemsworth, who runs a bakery in Frankston. Come on, mate. Oh, Danny, have we got any more listener mail or are we no, wrapping no, this up? No, no, I think up? we've this covered season- most of the thing. We should we should wrap it up. We've done over an hour. Um, it is good to genuinely chat. And uh, and and thanks to all the fans who chat to us on socials. It is, it is me who runs all those, but... Uh, I can pass on things to Boydie if you want. Uh, you know, if you want to borrow money, uh, he's totally up for that. He's got. He's still very rich. Uh, if you just want to know where he, what, hey, how his renovations going, I'll give you his address. Uh, and but yeah, do do get in touch. It's great to chat to you, and uh, we will get through this. We are. We have gone through so much worse than than just losing one grand final. So and Bulldogs uh, fans, let's. Tell us who we should have as a guest over the next yeah. little bit because players are an obvious one. We'll try and get them on. It should be easy enough to get a couple of Zoom calls done or some Zencaster calls. But if there's anyone interesting that you do think would be really worthwhile chatting to, send them through. Damn it. Do it. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it all up there. Boydie, uh, have you got anything else to plug? Are you doing anything? <laughs> um. I'm doing many things, Danny. Uh, it's been a, uh, a really tough year for everyone. So take care of each other. As we said earlier in the podcast, um, your mental health is extraordinarily important. It's a tough time. No more footy. 
season's over, but doesn't mean that being a fan of the Bulldogs is um, over as well. So take care of your other fellow Bulldogs fans, check in with each other, make sure we get through this next little bit together. Damn straight. And uh, if you're thinking about taking up another sport to watch, can I recommend uh, getting behind Ange Postacoglu at Celtic because Scottish soccer is the best soccer because you don't get a free kick unless you bleed. So it, a lot of Aussie Rules fans prefer watching. Yeah, if you've watched English football and you go, ah, it's not for me, tune, tune into some Scottish. You'll you'll dig it. Uh, too right. All right. See you, Boydie. See, we'll chat to you in two weeks. See you in two weeks, Danny. See you, mate. Get in the car, I get on my way. Riding on past where the doggy. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Eight Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, Eight Star Energy. What they say, there's no fast way out of foot screen. Says I'm grinding and a grooving when I go there. Line snakes tail in my There's no fast way out of